Hello, my name is Zach Robichaud. And I'm Jackie Mignot. You're listening to the podcast Made Flesh. Conversations about an embodied faith. We are at the spectacular Calgary Central Library, sipping our Luke's coffee, sitting down with people to talk about the incarnation. We aren't reporters or experts, but we are questioners, and we are on a quest to have a conversation around the central Christian belief that God became flesh. to this episode of the podcast Made Flesh. We are so excited to bring you this conversation with Calgary's own Rohadi Nagasar, uh, who, who is a church planter, a community organizer, a justice advocate, a writer, I would say a prophetic voice in our beautiful city and in our communities. Uh, this conversation was fascinating because we went to these places of asking kind of poking the sacred cows a bit and wondering, well, why, why are we doing church? Why do we do church? What is true and compelling about the ways we do community and church? And I think we get into some really interesting spaces. So, Zach, did you want to say anything about this episode? Yeah, this was a difficult one for me. Um, mm. I was expecting to uh, be able to hear and resonate a lot more with what Rohadi said. Um, Instead, it challenged a lot of my assumptions, and I still I need to hear it over and over again just to allow those things to challenge me. Um, those sacred cows you mentioned are kind of sacred to me <laughs> still. So, yeah, church, uh, yeah, church as where it's come from, and mm. I mean, there's a lot that needs to uh, change and continue to grow. Um, but there are some things that I hold dear, and I appreciate that Rohadi challenges those things in me. Um, so as iron sharpens iron, right? Um, yeah. I, I really appreciated that. So, um, yeah. That's great. I think this is why we do are doing this podcast, that we want to ask these questions and to open our kind of horizons of understanding and, and hear from other voices, too, who see things maybe differently um, but I think there was a lot of places of resonance too with what Rohadi said about incarnation and um, the incarnation, the incarnational reality of our of our lives together and our lives with God. So we hope you really enjoy this conversation. We hope it pokes some cow, sacred cows and uh, gets you asking questions and enjoy. in the church world hmm. you would use language like church planter okay so I I am a church planter I am in my second church right now okay that I started this one I started with with Connie right it's called Cypher Church hmm. and we're coming into our third year right now uh, and our first church uh, was called Calgary Church because we didn't come up with the name and so that was what it was Calgary <laughs> Church Calgary Missional Church and uh, we started in 2009 in Kensington and we quickly partnered right away with two other small communities we found each other mm. in Kensington so mm. it was totally God ordained because the process that I went through with a big denomination to become a uh, a church planter, one of their church planters. There's right. a lot of a lot of different hoops to do something like that. And so right. I jumped through them all, but in the end it didn't pan out. So I did the next dumb thing and I planted a church by myself. <laughs> and so the, what I did after that uh, was <laughs> wait, write. I do, did a ton of writing back then mm -hmm. too. And Rob found me, this dude from this small mishmashy hippie church that was meeting in Kensington at the time and I lived in Kensington and then there was also a coffee shop in Kensington called The House right. and that was a ministry that operated out of a big 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 it was just the antithesis of this big evangelical church mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and the three of us just combined okay and we found this collaboration that that lasted six years I think okay six hmm. six seven years almost six years so that's, that's sort of the ministry side of things, um, but I've always been bivocational, so I haven't done ministry full time. I've never done that. Mm -hmm. um, 
in the process of planting those churches, I've always been trying to think and reimagine ways of a gathering and mm. what church would look like in a post-Christian world, in a world that doesn't have the church at its center. And yeah. so that's been right. dominated the conversation, at least my, my writing for the past probably eight years, eight, mm-hmm. ten years. Yeah. Yeah. And now I've switched out of a lot of that conversation and it's morphed into what might be next and specifically some some specific uh, stories and, and exploration around what it what it means for the next generation of leaders and Canadians to come in, particularly Canadians of color and leaders of color mm-hmm. to come in and, and be at the forefront of whatever the Canadian church looks like yeah. uh, in the future. Right. So yeah. that's sort of the mix on the ministry side of things. Right. You mentioned bivocational. What yeah. sorts of other work uh, have you been involved in? Yeah, I've always had a marketing consulting business. So I've always worked for myself hmm. um, as uh, since I was... 17 18 which is a cool thing to say when you're yeah. 18 and in your 20s and then you realize there's more to life than, than <laughs> just making it for yourself <laughs> in your 30s and then you struggle with significance and everything as you approach your 40s and everything is just a big waste of time and, and so i'm in this we laugh because we know yeah. 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 so it's an know. important it's an important uh Part of the process, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's actually a normal mm. process that yeah. you'll repeat throughout yeah. your life. So, yeah. marketing is one. Mm-hmm. I spent uh, now a lot of time in in, um, in governance. Is not a not a paid position. Again, I gotta find more things that pay. Mm-hmm. But um, um, right now, I'm the president of an NGO that addresses human trafficking in Alberta, wow. and so it's one of the leading NGOs in the country that addresses trafficking. Wow. In Act Alberta, and so what's it, what's it called? It's called Act Alberta oh, that's Action called, Coalition on Human okay. Trafficking. Okay. And so there's some governance experience there to, that will translate into other things, I think, in the right. future. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then writing, and so that's a bunch of like three or four different things. One of them pays normal kind of, and the other ones are sporadic or don't pay at all. Like writing is you pay to write. Yeah. That's the. <laughs> That's yeah. the deal. Yeah. You pay to write. It's kind of like this podcast too. It's like yeah, we're, we're paying pay. to do it. Yeah. 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 Which is great. Uh, there's there's something. I mean, not one hundred percent great, but yeah, I think there's a there's a good aspect to that where nothing else is driving it. It's hmm. a yeah. It's, it's definitely uh, for the love of the game. Yeah. yeah. Good. Hmm. Well, it's it's lovely to meet you. Um, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Jackie, you have lots of questions. I well, I kind of jump in. No, that's good. One question I want to ask uh, people we're talking about. So we're here to explore what does it mean? So we put these big theological words about our experience with God. One of those big theological words is understanding that God acts incarnationally in our world. We want to explore that. Um, and so I want to ask you, in the in these roles that you have, um, so as a... Do you call yourself a pastor of the Cyber Church or leader? What do you, what's the term yeah, you guys I mean, use? Pastor is fine. I don't think yeah. many people would call me that. But. Right. So as that type of person for Cyber Church, a pastor type, um, one question I want to ask every all our guests is, what do you know? Um, okay, hear this the right way. What do you know about God? Not like, what do you know about God? But like, what do you know about God? Like, what is true for you about who Christ is in your world. And I wonder if that opens up anything. And you can be honest, if that's a stupid question. Okay, you just said a good question, so phew. (laughs) But if it's like, no, that's not the right question, feel free to take it to the right question for you. Uh, That's a good question. It's a deep question. Usually you would have to... You know, no, after you a, a couple longer? drinks and sorry, take me out yeah. to dinner, and then we would talk about the incarnation, and um, <laughs> it's very meaningful, <laughs> and it must make sense in our world today, and I think it does because the incarnation is the answer to what we all long. Hmm. Uh, but the way we share that story to people who wouldn't know is 
is getting lost in translation. So mm -hmm. what do I know about all that other than it? the incarnation is, is the story and the reality that matches the longings that I have in my heart. But not only individually, it, it answers the longings of the human heart as well. Yeah. Our longings of being human, I think, are answered the best in the incarnation. That doesn't mean that there aren't other answers out there, and I and I can say that the church, the contemporary church in the West, has long tried to act as though it has all the answers. The right. monopoly or the uh, yeah, yeah, and it, because it was the center of of cultural power for yeah. so long, it just assumed right. that it had the place in people's lives to tell yeah. people what to think and believe and do. Mm -hmm. It still acts that way. It hasn't shifted from there. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the incarnation is is that answer, the ultimate answer. But people will find answers in all sorts of different places and they'll capture pieces of that. Mm. Um, to use N.T. Wright, I think the longings that I have and that we have and that we share as humans kind of branch off into just four pieces of a longing for justice, so righting of the wrongs, a longing for yeah. for hope, so a story of meaning, that we have meaning in this world and purpose, a story of love, to be loved like no other and to love others, and a longing for beauty, which is a chase of, of writing what is broken restoring things that are broken and also we all value the setting sun when it flashes yeah. brilliant colors and mm -hmm. that's just human yeah. and so the incarnation are pieces that says uh, those those four pieces of what makes you you mm. are found at the very heart yeah. of God's hope for the history of humanity so that's great. Yeah. I feel like I'm just having a bit of a moment <laughs> over here. Uh, there, um, a couple of things you've you've mentioned, um, and and uh, this doesn't have to guide the whole conversation, but I'd love to hear more about. Uh, I mean, the the church planting that you've been involved with. Um, you kind of mention it, kind of being on outside of the center, which is where Jesus had his ministry, and mm -hmm. you know that. And then also you mentioned, um, you know, because we don't live in Christendom anymore, or, mm -hmm. you know, the West isn't really <laughs> church-focused anymore, and people don't really have a sense of what the Incarnation is, at least in a, in a Christian definition. Um, what, um, how can Christians then share what the Incarnation is and you've given, I mean, borrowing from N.T. Wright, uh, that, I mean, I love all that. But then how specifically, like, like here in Calgary, how have you seen that exhibited best, um, you know, where Christians are, are maybe relearning what the incarnation is because it hasn't been done well or understood well or maybe at the center of how we view God? Um, I don't know, that's not really a question. I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Do, do you have any thoughts on no, those a, points? It's a question. Um, it's like touching on the margins, and then how can Christians maybe shift how we live or speak about God? Well, I think that the first step would be for Christians to comprehend what the incarnation is, hmm. and I don't think we do or as a whole, we struggle with, with, and even when we come to a place where, where we could ring off a theological right. proposition of what, what incarnation is, yeah. we just know it in our head. Yeah. Now, the opposite of that is we just know something in our heart or in our activities, and that's good too, but I think there's a holistic approach to what incarnation looks like, feels like, smells like, mm -hmm. and what you also know in your in your mind. So that's that mind, body, spirit piece. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so in the very least of, of so example for example, Cypher Church operating 
not in the center, but on the margins of, of at least what contemporary church culture would call church. So operating there gives us a chance to at least test and, and figure out what different expressions of incarnate reality for a church community might look like. And I don't know if we have all the answers to what it looks like, other than what we're testing for different ways of what gathering might look like in intentional Christian community, mm -hmm. what serving one another in, in, in love, or what it looks like to fight for justice in this type of world. That those expressions of embodying, embodying the incarnate Christ yeah. in our place and space today those are the things we're trying to figure out so no answers other than we are attempting to uh, pull ourselves out of um, the center of where the church assumes its power and privilege in yeah. in modern culture or even in the neighborhood that's like grandma's church was the parish church where mm. you just sort of went to the parish church or the rector and you ask them for the answers to all of life's questions yeah. and they, they do all the work really <laughs> or we leave all the work up to them or at least all the thinking and all the answers Maybe. yeah yeah that's yeah. a good way to put it and and rather than together trying to wrestle with an ongoing mystery of, of what it looks like yeah. to express and be the hands and feet of, of church here in, in, a, in a modern reality and so uh, I think it's easy to throw the church underneath, you know, under the bus, mm -hmm. but um, because we, we, we get a lot of things right. There are a lot of things that we do in justice and we help the mm -hmm. poor, like it, no matter what people say about the church and all the bad things that are going on, there is no other organization that's doing, other than the government, which, you know, the, that's the government steps in with things like welfare because the church dropped the ball yeah. at some point a hundred years ago right mm -hmm. and so the church still is the one serving the needy the homeless the widows and so forth so we can't we can't say that those things don't count they do and they always will and those are incarnate expressions mm -hmm. and people notice them mm -hmm. and then they also notice all the different pieces that sometimes uh, we find in in contemporary culture of standing up for the wrong things um, we're, we're in, in Canada, we tend to be really timid and, and, and the church is, and this is good and bad, the church yeah. is not at the forefront of, of a lot of cultural conversations. We tend to hide and we compartmentalize our mm. faith in, in, in the Sunday morning and then the rest of the week we do other things, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, that, it's that interesting dichotomy of you know, ensuring that we're not overlords, but then also not doing anything terribly visible. Our faith doesn't become visible in a sense. Yeah, that's a very yeah. Canadian piece of we're just kind of embarrassed to lift up the things that we're doing when when they're when they are very good, mm -hmm. right. and we should tell those stories. But the problem is often we try to tell the stories of the church's triumph so we can regain our power and privilege that right. we had before, whereas we should just be focusing on continuing to 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 love radically in the spaces without any need for capturing cultural attention. So yeah, uh, incarnate presence for us is our, our pieces of what it looks like for each of us to embody the incarnate Christ in our own world, in our own neighborhoods, in our own cities. What that looks like will be unique to us and our relationships, but we also try to draw together to respond to things that are bigger than just the individuals, of course, right. and let the community come together and respond well to one another, to the needs of each other. Mm. Um, it, I'm, I'm talking a lot about the things that we are doing, and a lot of churches would, again, to use the word, compartmentalize that into a uh, outreach, right. is what we would call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah. the rest of our church existence, like what is that? So I try to figure out what it means to have a more holistic expression yeah. of what incarnate reality or, or incarnation looks like. Um, too much of it has been hidden within the confines of the, the church walls. Hmm. I want to ask, you said a phrase earlier about pulling ourselves out of the center of how church, I think, maybe understands or wants to understand itself as being the center of power and privilege and being able to tell people the truth and, and hold that. How does Cypher Church and other expressions that you live in right now, um, 
how does it do it? Like, what are some of the things, the tangible things you do differently to embody, to bring this back to a really holistic thing? Or like, what are your some of your favorite experiences? Just examples, because I I don't know, I'm not familiar with the Cipher Church, so I'm I'm curious to mm-hmm. just to hear what what life mm-hmm. would be like. How is it or, different? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, first we're so super small, and so it's not a good example to say how can this be replicated anywhere else. It probably couldn't. That's great. And I think every. <laughs> but that's is that kind of part of it though. Yeah, but I think really? yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the, the the point of what we're trying to do is that every church should be having some type of small expression that's mishmashy yeah. and out of the you know off yeah. the wall, even yeah. if it fails, because it then gives you some input. Uh, as to what might work in mm. your context, right. and, and we don't do that. So when you speak of the church operating at the center, it's it's. I think most churches and leaders actually know they're not in the center yeah. anymore, um, but that doesn't shift the way that we act, and mm. there's still a, a matter of we're trying to figure out how to draw people into, so here's the example, right? right. We try to figure out how to bring people to a service, and the, and that's because the center of the contemporary church is the Sunday service. Right. It's the worship piece. Now, you might argue with that and say, oh, it's our small group. Oh, it's the dinner table, which would be great, but where we put all our resources right. is Sunday morning. Right. All our time is Sunday totally. morning. We try to get new people to Sunday morning. That's why yeah. we have two candlelight services on Christmas Eve because Sunday morning or whenever Christmas Eve is is the ones that those new folks will come. If they just get in to the service, then (laughs) maybe they'll hear (laughs) a a sermon, right? And just just like the other piece of let the ministers do the work, we'll just bring them to the door. And, mm. and so incarnate reality is saying that we're going to believe and be good Protestants as the priesthood of all believers and mm. we're going to release everyone to realize that they have gifts and importance into the, into the body, into the church and that we all have this role in, in, in God's unfolding mission. Mm. So that's what Cypher Church tries to do. What we, what we do, we gather once a month, but what we do there is of little consequence if the community is not figuring out what it means to live well together. Um, mm. So in that respect, in discipleship and in the activities that we are doing, if we, if we don't figure out what it means to be different as a community, then we're no different than any other church. It doesn't matter how cool our services might be. And, and yeah. when we started off, they were super cool. They were so cool, the cool church kids <laughs> wouldn't come back. <laughs> our first service had 100 people, 100 plus. And it was mostly Christians who yeah. were just coming to check out the next cool thing. And I got on the mic. I was like, what's up? Welcome. You can come and you can you can chill with us. You're welcome to be here. But uh, y'all need to go back to your, your churches because uh, <laughs> unless you're going to sit here and dwell among this community for a while, it's not going to be the place you're going to be comfortable with. And so they did. They didn't come back. Oh, my <laughs> and gosh. so, yeah, it yeah. was fine. But, yeah, but uh, yeah. that's the reality of, yeah. of what it looks like. We're just trying to chase experiences. And right. so we have those things. And uh, and how we gather is there every single time. I mean, we check the boxes that any evangelical church would long to check. We, oh, totally. We have yeah. new people. Every single time we've gathered for almost three years, there's always been someone new. Someone new has heard the gospel not that that matters in a sense but yeah. god works in mysterious mm-hmm. ways so okay um every single time we we have um seen transformations in people yeah. um the community is comprised of people who are church people christians but also people who used to like grew up as as a church person as a kid but don't do that anymore and then mm-hmm. people who've never gone mm-hmm. and that's the the makeup of the community and so how we gather is really neat we've had moments of, of uh, here's an example of a time we did when we gathered and it was called empathy through movement and so cypher church initially started off as this hip-hop expression hip-hop mm-hmm. and, and and focused to artists yeah i i know the word cypher from a math i'm a math teacher so cypher means zero like it's a, <laughs> so that's a different cypher yeah, yeah. yeah. cypher yeah. so when yeah. i heard cypher yeah. church i'm like what does that mean? Zero mm-hmm. church. That's right. But then, yeah. Okay, so yeah, could you so unpack just the from a hip hop? Yeah, yeah. Here? So the way that Cypher Church started was um, just always this idea between 
uh, Connie and I, and so we co-planted this church, and we were always talking about what it would look like to gather people who would never step foot into right. a contemporary church. Even the coolest contemporary church, they would never step foot. And that centered around the relationships that we had, which would be in the art, hip-hop world. Right. And so initially, um, Connie was reticent to do a church plant. And I was like, as we gathered to always pray for these folks, let's do a church plant. Let's do a church plant. She said, no, no, no. And then for some <laughs> reason, and this is because it was God-ordained, right around the time that my first church plant closed, hmm. the uh, Connie said, hey, I'm thinking about doing an event. I was like, what? An event? It's like, this is the last thing I want to do, is do this, an event, like a cool evening service that a church would do. Right. It's like, I have no interest in doing that. So I said, I'll get back to you. And I said, um, let's do a no. <laughs> I, said, I said, soft no. No, I said hard no on an event. I'm not doing an event, but I'll do a church plan. And so she's like, yeah, let's do that. I'm like, well, what, what changed? And so two months later, we launched. Hmm. And so what does that look like? Cypher, not a, not a math cypher. It's a hip-hop cypher, which is C-Y-P-H-E-R. And the... Um, what it is, it's pulled out of hip-hop culture, and it's a circle, basically, and it's uh, centered around music, and hmm. everyone brings a gift, or their skill, rather. Mm -hmm. So in the yeah. hip-hop piece, it, it would generally be rappers battling one another. Hmm. Right. Um, for us, we shifted the focus and say, we're not battling each other, we're going to bring whatever we're good at into the middle and as an offering to God. And I we like were very that. clear about that. Oh my gosh. And so we said, bring your offering, bring your gift. So it'd yeah. be movement, so dance, yeah. poems, spoken word, lyricists, or musicians. They would, you know, someone might bring an instrument and they would join the band. So we did that for about a year and a half. Yeah. And that's totally like if you, A, don't dance, because the rest of everyone else, if you're not doing those things, then you're in the cypher around and just sort of moving and, and dancing and yeah. trying to let your, your inhibitions drop. And. That's hard if you don't dance because we would have folks who never <laughs> showed up and that's the first thing is like, I don't dance. So I, it's like, okay. Um, but we're trying, to, we're trying to compel you into something different here. Would you let the, let the veil drop? Oh well, my. I, I just want to stick with the dance thing because I, I mean... I'm imagining Zach. Don't, no, don't, don't hurt yourselves. Uh, like, I grew up in a church where we didn't dance. You know, it's like premarital yeah. sex is bad because it might lead to dancing. Right? So, like dancing oh, no. was this, you know, don't dance. So I grew up not dancing, um, Sorry. except Sorry. in my room. You know, I remember like <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. You know, I had the cassette, and you know, I'd be in my room and I close the oh door mm -hmm. the and, and do some horrible dancing. But you know. And that's something that, you know, I, it's, it's one of these, almost a wound where I'm like, oh, I, I really missed out there. Yeah. What mm -hmm. does dancing mean? How, how can, I mean, clearly, you know, dancing body. Oh, and we're talking about the incarnation, body, body. Uh, but really, how does the incarnation express itself mm. uh, differently and meaningfully just in dancing? Yeah, it, it is a reflection of joy. Um, it is hard because culturally we don't really do that and and right. that wasn't my, like I said that's not my thing and uh, dancing's not your thing is that what you no and yeah. and I've have since taken up uh, different different dancing pieces just to you know figure that that why am I so why would I close the door and uh, now that's not entirely what I would do because culturally I, I was born in Trinidad and so I have this Caribbean flair with me and so I can move I at least have rhythm right um, but never was really. I'm not going to go in a circle and show you my moves, right? Yeah, but right. this compelled me to to yeah. do that. It actually forced the introvert in me to get moving into, yeah. and it's uncomfortable. It's actually an yeah. introvert's nightmare. This the cipher church initially. Yeah. And we we've, we've come full circle on that, as we we've dropped the cipher every single time we gathered into different expressions since then. That's how right. it's iterated. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was totally not accessible to anybody who wasn't going to. Um, at least be at the outskirts. People who didn't want to be seen. Yeah. Right. Uh, this oh. was not the space for you. So to dance, I'm hearing, is to be seen. Mm. Um, to yes. dance, there's abandon 
like you're abandoning your inhibitions or your you know I, maybe and, I think and the, I mean I see that as an important component to the incarnation because we have to let ourselves go in order to be ourselves and yeah. and to experience that joy so I mean I I don't know if there's a direct co uh, connection that we intentionally made between dance and incarnation um, but I think that it does speak to our common experience in churches. If you're in a liturgical tradition, then you kind of lead, read the recipe book and that's what you do yeah. year in, year out. If you go to more of a contemporary or evangelical church, then your worship is five songs and then you listen to somebody talk. Yeah. That's it, yeah. 52 weeks a year. Mm -hmm. It doesn't shift. No. Now, if you're really you know, into it, you might clap and that's <laughs> the end of it. Yeah. Um, that is, first off, it is... Or put banners on the wall or something. Uh, you would have people waving those banners, <laughs> oh, but yeah, those yeah. are crazy people. Like those, the Damn crazy babies. churches have like this weird kind of movement. At, but the, why is it so weird? Mm. Why would we see something like that or banner waving or that mm. just doesn't fit? Like where have we gone with the, the type of, of worship that we only think that certain music and not too loud music is is it when it comes mm -hmm. to our gathering and so yeah that this is just the antithesis of a, a lot of that to right. say that oh my gosh there are different ways for people to experience spirituality and to be drawn into where god is speaking to them in a language that they can understand yeah. and what would that look like and so we've tried to do different things and and if you like the five songs and just sort of sit there and take it, then that's that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There's just no shortage of options for that because essentially every church does it. Right. Can we reimagine other ways of doing things? And what would, does that mean? I mean, to me, if we're talking the incarnation and the magnitude of who God is, you're telling me that only comes in one package of yeah. five songs and somebody preaching for 30 yeah. minutes. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's and, a neutering of... That's a good word. Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. And so yeah. I remember when I was in Ethiopia, which is important because Ethiopia is the only African country not to be colonized. Right. That means their expression of Christianity right. and they're a Christian. They, oh, they so became a Christians. Um, uh, they became Christian as, as a country before Constantinople. Mm -hmm. right. And they have the most ancient form of Jewish Christian worship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the whole story of the Queen Sheba and, and Solomon, and they have retained this expression. Yeah. Hmm. And if you want to see uh, how ancient Jews or even ancient Christians worshiped, go to Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. And it takes days. Services yeah. take days. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's colors everywhere. There hmm. are... There's dancing, there are instruments, there's nonstop music, there's all right. sorts of different things. And so we've lost part of our heart, I think, as, as a church mm. of what it means to... Do you, do you think, I mean, it was at the center, I mean, we've talked about kind of moving church, or church has been moved out of the center of society, and you know, just recognizing that and then saying, I think that gives us a great opportunity to kind of re-explore something as opposed to just accepting you know leaving all the work to the clergy or the church mm -hmm. building or um, just exploring it anew but then not forgetting that oh actually this has been explored <laughs> over the centuries <laughs> around the world and so you know really touching those and experiencing those and uh, allowing those to inform our new um, yeah and I think it would have to be drawn into a reality that we can try things mm. yeah it's yeah. a permission it's not necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. to go back and redo something right but it's saying that yeah you can those ideas that you have and so we might I would blame church leadership to, to be honest mm -hmm. of why we don't think outside the box or do things outside the box and part of that might be because congregations demand the same and they don't like change. Mm -hmm. There's also the component where clergy, I mean, their, their salary depends on, like their yeah. livelihood depends on this. Totally. And that's how they grew up. That's how they're trained. That's what mm -hmm. people want. I mean, there's there's a lot wrapped up in that. Yeah, so because of what you just said, yeah. that's why the church will not change. The institutional ch church won't change. Yeah. Um, 
or it won't change in time. Yeah. Mm. Um, in time for what? By the time it dies. Mm. <laughs> so if you want to look at contemporary examples, you look at the United Church and, mm-hmm. and realize that they're still going to be around and God can work in mysterious ways. Um, but because of so many assets that they had from their heydays in the 50s, that they'll probably be able to hang on, but they've lost right. 90 plus percent of their membership. Yeah. And so there, there, there could be a resurgence, uh, but it'll be very small. And so that is indicative of essentially most other denominations. Now, you could argue that evangelicals have figured out how to try to basically stay the same Hmm. because they have shifted as the United Church or mainline denominations haven't shifted. Hmm. At least evangelicals have sort of figured out what it means to catch up to contemporary culture, even though we're always two decades behind. (laughs) We still have... A little bit painful, yeah. Responded in some way. Yeah. Uh, but the reality to that is every ensuing generation since the boomers have come to church less and less and less. So we blame those, we blame millennials, which is easy to say they've left the church, but that the exodus actually started with boomers. Yeah. And it's been increasing ever since. And why is that? Well, I, again, it goes back to I don't think that we have a story that is compelling to people mm. who never grew up with the church and, and simply... Yeah haven't grown up with what we're selling right, right. One, one of the reasons like I, I get asked a lot I have friends quite a few friends now and I'm very grateful for it you know friends who are not churched and friends who are not believers or not you know don't, mm-hmm. wouldn't identify as Christians and they ask me you know how can you still be a Christian oh you suck you, you're you're a smart guy how, how can you still be a Christian I'm like oh yeah thank you and yeah <laughs> but but the answer I've been giving for the last few years, and I haven't thought of a better one, so maybe it's a, an okay answer for a little while longer, is I haven't found a more beautiful story. Like, th- this is a God coming down and, and joining with us um, through Jesus is, um, is just the most beautiful thing that I've encountered yet. Um, it's, it's what can move me the most. And I can, you know, I love movies and music and art and, you know, I, not dance, unfortunately, but, um, you know, there are <laughs> all, these, all, these, yes, <laughs> all these beautiful things that I've encountered in my life, food and beer and all these things. <laughs> but the most beautiful so far yeah. really has been this story of Jesus. <laughs> and so for me to walk away from that would be, um, you know, would be very difficult. Um, I guess my question to you would be, how, how does that beauty, because you've mentioned beauty a few times, yeah. and I, I really, I, I think that's something we can really elevate more. How, how have you seen that beauty elevated in, in the last 10 years? In, in your life, personally, or involvement uh, through the Cypher Church? Or? Yeah, I, I mean, the beauty mm-hmm. encounters me because I'm broken, and, and in the times of pit and despair, there is an answer, or at least a voice that says, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And I think you've hit something on the head, in that your story, your compelling story, is not whether or not that your Sunday service has bouncy castles or <laughs> whatever it might be. It, it, it is your narrative of, this is a beautiful story. That's something that you're that people who don't agree with the church, mm-hmm. that doesn't matter because they can't disagree with your story. It's your experience. Right. You hang on to that. And that's the compelling piece. Yeah. There's no amount of preaching that's going to compel a bunch of people who never grew up in the church oh to gosh, come down right? to the altar call. Right. Yeah. That's just, are, are you nuts? The, those days are done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but what do we have? We have those, those stories. And so I think those are, those are exceedingly valuable. And we need to build up the church to realize everyone has those yeah. stories. Can yeah. we tell compelling stories? And then after that, how would someone be drawn into community? Because a beautiful story yeah. that ends with a Sunday with five songs and 30 minutes of preaching, that's the wrong end. That's the wrong end. There's got to be something else that centers the church into beautiful community rather than beautiful service. And it's not usually beautiful. 
but that's the center. So I think that's one of the pieces that we're trying to compel our own community outside of that rhythm and say, your stories do count. Mm-hmm. And, and we got to tell those stories. Cause that's all we have. Yeah. And then we have, after that, this community that is coming together along the same path of a community story right. wrapped around incarnation. Yeah. So I don't know if a lot of churches would disagree with that. And many churches, I think, are very close to embodying different pieces right. of that. But the problem, again, is we always get hiccuped by the, the Sunday service and that that is the chief place where we gather that is a place where we put our resourcing in it's among the most if not the most important pieces and if we were to decenter the sunday service and put other things that are more compelling or more important there mm-hmm. um, in order to reflect incarnate christ right. better what would that look like um, and not only that what would it look like and could we do those things but would it revitalize our own communities as well yeah. which i think it would i agree but it's risky like you said well but it, who's gonna do that well here's so i am what a pastor, pastor would do that yeah i am a pastor Let's of a church who the, the even just what you described is exactly where we are at the sense of you know historically culturally people have come and it's built around a sunday our culture is built around a Sunday weekend, so that is a day that most some people have off. Most, Not everybody, yeah. but you know, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's counted. It's a weekend. There's yeah. no school. Not much else is scheduled for Sunday mornings. Not always, mm-hmm. aside from soccer and, and hockey. hockey. And, yeah. <laughs> um, the new church. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and we are definitely we are feeling this pull of how do we draw, how do we, um, man, I love the. Sorry, my eyes are closed. I loved the way you talked about bringing, like Cypher Church, we are bringing our gifts. So we are trying to structure and understand this community of middle-aged, totally normal, not normal, but like boring. I, like we are just the most average yahoos you've ever experienced. <laughs> There's nothing outrageous. And we are like, and yet we each have a story about who... Um, who Christ has been in our lives that gets missed when we just come and we and we sit and then I get up and talk for 30 minutes and then (laughs) we go home and we are we are oh the longing to like live into this space where community yeah so in in (laughs) that does I mean it really the congregation is showing up you know we'll take we'll take this traditional sunday service they're showing up um they're not necessarily wanting to kind of get out of their chair and dance or and dance as a metaphor maybe or bring something um or there's something there's something are. there's something keeping them from doing that yeah. and i don't know if it is the necessarily the yeah. structure of the service that's preventing them uh may, i mean i think to a certain extent but is is there something else is that why people are stop are not going to church anymore is it because well they don't want what i have mm. I, I i don't know i think there is a laziness and an apathy that's kind of breeded in that and then is really difficult to overcome how do we allow that spark of life to kind of overtake or i mean in a humble christ-like way but you know, express itself and, and join the table. Yeah, I would think that mm. first off, I, there's beauty in the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And we need mm-hmm. to find the beauty in the ordinary. Yeah. We need to get out of a piece of saying that the point of it all is to get people to Sunday service Mm -hmm. so I think it has a lot to do with formation not structure Mm -hmm. because we can do a cool Sunday service Sunday evening service for you know that we dim the lights and the music's a little louder and we change the structure but the people who are connecting into that their formation hasn't changed yeah 
So in that way, I don't think that many normal average yahoos is that what you said <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> some ordinary yahoos are actually compelled to do a lot of change we're, we're not built as a culture to handle change well and the whole point of the institutional church isn't to change it's to keep things the same so i think the answer is slow formation and trying to compel people mm. into an imagination of something different and good luck with that. I take I cheated uh, in a sense because I have church planted something brand new, and it would be just terrible for me to try to venture a decade with a church that didn't really want change is now kind of doing change, but in the end of it, will probably just cost me my sanity and my job. Right, right, right. And so it's it all that to say is it's very hard work to change. Yeah. So I want to speak into that. Yeah. Here's what I I, I we probably are almost out of time. This idea of slow formation, because this is where this, and I think a lot of churches are that, and you spoke about the longing we all have to be seen, and the longings we have are answered in this incarnation. And I see that in my church. I see that in these incredible humans. Um, I wonder if a huge part of this, the getting, like slow formation into an imagining of something different, man, that's got to happen by how we tell stories mm -hmm. and how we share. Like, I think that's gonna happen. Um, I mean, we talk about the arts, but I think that is almost so key to shifting how we even imagine what we are imagining, the, the images we are using to imagine, which is why I think the incarnation for me is so much um, depth because there's so many images, even of this, even in the stories of Jesus that we can they can shift our imagination. So I'm, I'm leaning heavily onto what does it do for me as a pastor, my primary role at a preaching pastor is a storyteller of elevating um, the story, yeah. elevating the story, elevating different parts of the story. I, as, as a female pastor, um, I mean, I, of course I'm drawn to the stories like the Hagar, story and Mary and Elizabeth and I'll preach those and people will be like I have never ever heard a sermon on the bleeding woman and I oh my gosh what well, I preached that church that sermon at a different church and got this guy coming up to me bleeding women can I just give you some criticism I'm like sure <laughs> you sure can <laughs> as a man I got nothing out of that because I I just I and I was like I <laughs> okay thanks for your feedback <laughs> anyways just to say like there's so many stories and ways to I think like anyways my brain is going a bazillion miles a minute this is where I get in trouble with podcasting because my brain goes faster than my mouth goes it's a very bad thing and probably makes no sense and we've lost all the listeners um, but what could be different like I think the the way we tell the story is different has to be different and just inviting people into seeing their story there and because then that, that can happen no matter what part of culture you're you're hitting right like like is if it's um people who really identify in hip-hop culture or people like all the different kind of subcultures that that we are mm -hmm. yeah anyways i'm just i, I think thinking it, out loud well now. what i hear is you know elevating what how important story is this this guy mm -hmm. who didn't get anything out of a story um he wants a list of you know do this and do this and do this totally. okay that's what i and then you know next week i want a different list and the mm -hmm. week after i want a different list and, and then uh, I, yeah. that that comes from a, a place of uh what did john dewey what was his philosophy uh, pragmatism and you know like I let's know let's just is. get it all done yeah um like let it's utilitarianism like that that's what church has become like we we've lost the beauty and this the the point of stories that and and now we've reduced ourselves and even capitalism kind of enters in it's like well we're only worth what we can actually produce mm -hmm. so it's just all of this kind of gutting of humanity and what mm -hmm. the human condition or the human beauty or the human life really mm -hmm. um 
Well, to finish what you were riffing on, Jack, Edith, is um, I have two suggestions. Maybe not directly for you, but I'll be for listeners too. Um, a gift. Here's a. It's free. <laughs> it's totally free. Um, change is hard. Often we have to actually try those new things yeah. on the outside at arm's length. Mm. Um, and that way we don't touch the sacred cow. Mm -hmm. And there's usually people in our communities that are already doing things like that. They're the outliers. Right. Mm -hmm. Can yeah. we come alongside them yeah. and champion them? Yeah. So that's yeah. an easy win. Um, you know, the other radical idea is to cancel a service. Yeah. Cancel a service of once a month. You're meeting once a week already. That's crazy. It's like, who does? That's crazy commitment. The weirdest. Yeah. Cancel service and, and, and now reimagine different practices for that community. Mm. So, I mean, those are some, some, one of them is radical, but, you know, the other one of trying to start something is. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I like, yeah, thanks. It's good. We we experiment a little bit. We canceled, you know, had meals together instead of a service, mm -hmm. or made sandwiches and these little teensy bits, right? Start something new then. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. or come alongside someone who's. Yeah, I like that. New. That sounds good. That that's there, jiving with my heart. There, there is one thing yeah. that I really like about the 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 Sunday services. I'm joining with people that I normally wouldn't join with. So I look around mm. the, the family yeah. and I see people that, you know, I would never go for a beer with that person or I would never, mm. you know, have a discussion with this person, you know, or meet over coffee yeah. or um, I wouldn't encounter this person at my school um, because they're single. They don't have kids or, you know, like there's, there's all these people that have so much to teach me and so much to bring to the table that, you know, and so the, the organic things that I'm already involved in um, don't naturally have these people in it. Mm -hmm. And and so that's one piece that I'm like, I don't know. I, mm -hmm. I would fear losing that. Yeah. that. That's one loss. And maybe it's worth it, but I I don't know. Well, you don't have to give up, but maybe figure out ways to collide worlds. Yeah. 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 Which is work, which we don't want to avoid. <laughs> it's, which we don't want to that's avoid. That's the sticky work <laughs> of church, right? Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm really curious um, as to the work or why you got involved in uh, its ACT, A-C-T? Mm -hmm. Okay. I think everyone should be doing something in terms of responding to injustices in our world. And so mm -hmm. I, like many other people, saw a movie. I was like, whoa, this movie is so compelling. Uh, I have to do something and kind of had the, mm. the savior complex of, boy, I got to change the world and save these kids and I had a little bit more understanding of what responding well looks like mm -hmm. not a lot but a little bit and so instead of saying I'm going to start my own thing or save a bunch of kids yeah. I was like what can I join that's already on the ground so yeah. I was so I did see something human trafficking related right and then I said okay I'm not going to start a thing Who's already doing good work? Can I join yeah. them? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did, and so I found ACT at the time. They're just starting out, and I went up, and rather than saying, "Hey, I have you know churches kind of show up. What's up? I have all the answers." Or, "Hey, can we be boss now? Yeah. <laughs> can we do our own thing?" And you know, that's wasn't my response. I just said, "How can I help?" Mm. So that was almost ten years ago. And so I just volunteered, well, I'm still a volunteer, but I just volunteered with them for a little while. And then I moved to the board um, a couple years later and I've been serving with their board for, with our board for eight years now. Cool. And so that's my response to injust injustice because I have skills in, in development, organizational development yeah. and strategic development those types of things and so where would i go best would it be front lines kicking in doors well nobody does that anyways mm -hmm. the police do we right. don't um mm -hmm. i can use my gifts as in in, in governance mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. why i responded there and everyone can do something and and we tend to decry uh even the the most effective stuff which is raising money or give your money 
Right. right. So cash is like, just give your money. If you yeah. don't have the skills, yeah. then give your money yeah. to yeah. good organizations. And so <laughs> go make the money. Yeah. And give us the money. I'm really curious as to what movie <laughs> it was that you it saw. It was a, uh, it's, uh, it was a documentary or a rockumentary. It was a <laughs> rockumentary called Call and Response, and it centered mm. the story, the narrative arc was also told through music and hmm. and there were musicians all throughout it like like popular musicians yeah, okay. yeah. um pop culture kind of folks and uh, it was just a compelling story it was what i do now is squarely focused in alberta and in canada right and and i don't do anything with youth anybody under 18 so the film was about kids in cambodia whatever heartstring story right. that was right yeah yeah um and yet I found the response that fit me better of where I could do the best work. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, that was, yeah, that was the context. So it's not unlike for basically everyone yeah. who feels compelled yeah. to do something because they right. saw a Netflix thing about, yeah. about, you know, global warming. Yeah. Yeah. So. Maybe that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way in. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, the work, is it centered around advocacy for people who have been taken out of, I mean, I imagine there are a lot of prongs to, um, of the justice component, um, you know, helping people emerge out of trafficking or preventing trafficking. Mm -hmm. or, um, ACT has four primary pieces and one's research. Okay. So you, you, in order to respond well, you need good data. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. In order to inform good policy, you need good data. Mm -hmm. Who's doing Who's doing that research? I, I, we are. Okay. okay. <laughs> where, where does it... We uh, would, we would uh, partner. Uh, so the most recent example is we uh, have uh, we built a study on human trafficking in, in the metropolitan area of Calgary. Hmm. What it looks like, ways people are responding. It right. was a, a assessment, really. Hmm. So that's one. We've hmm. done that for sex trafficking in Edmonton, or rather labor trafficking in Edmonton. Okay. Okay. We will work with universities. Yeah. One of the first uh, reports on a metropolitan area in all of North America was created with ACT and Mount Royal. Mm -hmm. uh, back a uh, number of uh, five years, maybe a little bit more. Okay. Um, so that yeah, we'll partner with different folks and and find uh, uh, grants to do that kind of work. Another piece is uh, is working with victims, but that's we ha we're not a frontline organization. But okay. we found that there were so many people falling through the cracks because it's a relatively new crime, at least in terms of its legislation. Right. And mm -hmm. so we had to respond to victims mm. that nobody else would. Yeah. Yeah. And so we still have response uh, coordinators in Edmonton and Calgary. Um, another piece is to build capacities in, and train and education. And so that's predominantly with other organizations, frontline workers, law enforcement, mm. all the different pieces, right. uh, yeah, different yeah. NGOs, different wow. government officials and our yeah. government departments. Um, and the fourth one, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, it's the yeah advocacy <laughs> in, in terms of um, developing legal standards in, in the country. Okay, gotcha. And and trying to ensure that, that our laws are doing what they can. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Thank you. I can't remember. I, re That's I remembered that. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um. One of the things, like I see incarnation in, in, in a lot of that where, you know, this is, I mean, like you said, it, this is a, a new crime, at least legislatively, like it, it's, it's never been kind of uh, visible in the sense that everyone kind of knows it's happening because it's in their face every day. They probably mm -hmm. know of it maybe through mm -hmm. a news piece here or there, yeah. mm -hmm. but it's really a hidden crime mm -hmm. that's... Um, you know, the mm -hmm. victims are hidden. Um, we may never know ever that these people exist um, or that yeah. crimes exist, but then for people to volunteer and, you know, either on the front lines or behind the scenes, at least trying to develop awareness or um, education on the matter, um, to enter into that really dark and hidden place yeah. is, is that manger, right? That yeah. It is that... Um, bringing life and light to a place that lots of people just don't care. It's like, well, or it's, it's uh, they just it's don't so know it's there. It's so dark, it's so hard to put your lips out there, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you, you know what? The reality is I think most of the people who are responding and are on the front lines aren't even Christians. Yeah, mm. which is, to me, Interesting. A, such a beautiful part of the incarnation is that, you know, like every life, every breath is Christ's breath. And mm. like they can't exist without that. So, yeah, that that's one of the things. It's like I don't have time for church because this is so important. <laughs> You know, and it's like, yes, <laughs> ah, that's what I, I love hearing that component of um, life. I mean, we're, when we say incarnation, we mean life like that, mm. life, breathing, cellular respiration mm. and you know, all of that. So I, I really like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Central Public Library here in downtown Calgary, uh, where the Luke's Coffee Shop graciously gives us coffee. We for pay for it. We money. pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> and music provided by Jennifer Oikawa. You can find her album Escape Plan to Canada uh, by the Jen Oikawa Trio on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your music. Support us by rating us and reviewing us on your favorite podcast platform.